So, confession time, I am uh, a claustrophobic. That means I cannot be in tiny spaces for very long without going crazy. And uh, I avoid the small spaces, if at all possible, particularly when it's dark uh, and I don't see a way through. And uh, I remember one time on vacation, our family was in a volcanic area, and there was these caves they wanted to explore. And I, I went, went there with them. I drove them, and I just I waited outside as they entered to this darkness in the, in the belly of the earth, and I would pray that they would all come out of there safely. And, of course, they did. Just a tourist attraction. But a couple of years later, I faced a challenge that I wasn't quite sure what I should do. So we were in Israel, and we got to see Jerusalem and all the sights and sounds around Jerusalem as a family. And um, my son, my youngest son, Connor, uh, he was about this tall at the time, he said he, he wanted to go see Hezekiah's tunnel. And I'm thinking, what's Hezekiah's tunnel? It doesn't sound very interesting at all to me. <laughs> and uh, back in uh, 741 BC, King Hezekiah was preparing Jerusalem for a siege by the Assyrian army. And the only real water source was outside of the city walls of Jerusalem. And so he, he, he covered it all over with big, huge stones, made it invisible, but then dug a trench from where it was through solid rock under the walls of Jerusalem into the city at 1,750 feet, uh, uh, hewn out of the solid rock. Um, the tunnel is completely dark, as you can see on your screens. Uh, and it is, it, it's about as wide as my shoulders, and uh, there's about two feet of water in it at all times, and it depends on the season how much water. It could be up to here. And the roof goes from just under five feet to 30 feet above you. And so I, I did my research, and I'm going, I don't think you want to go through this, Connor. I says, yes, I do, Dad. Come on, Dad. I'm going, what am I going to do? I can't be a scaredy cat for my son. They gave me the heebie-jeebie just thinking about it, and they gave me a little tiny LED flashlight like this, and you get in line, and it's about a 30-minute walk, depending on how many people are in front of you, and you can be actually stopped dead in your tracks with water up to your knees with the shoulders against the walls and crouching down thinking, I'm going to die here and just <laughs> drag my body out. Well, I made it through. I just kept walking one step at a time, one, one more step, trying a little light. Connor's having a blast. It's a fun thing for him. And we made it out the other side. But I was thinking, had I not had this light, there's no lights. You'd just be wandering around, stumbling against the stone walls, hoping that you're going in the right direction. There are actual veering off into uh, different directions. There's multiple pathways in there. And I made it, uh, you know, I told myself, well, this is a historical site, this is what saved Jerusalem during a siege, a very important archaeological location, and I'm, I'm glad I did it. This whole season, we're talking about the light, let there be light. And throughout history, we look at the picture of light through the scriptures, and I want to kind of review a little bit today and establish a bit of a foundation for what I'm going to talk about today. So, first point... What we find in the scriptures early on is that God himself is light. You remember up in the, the top of the mountains when he was interacting with Moses, there's, there's lots of lightnings and flashings and thundering, and when Moses came down, his face was glowing because he'd been in the presence of God. The scripture says in 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine, 29, for you are my lamp, O Lord, 
and the Lord will lighten my darkness. And John writes in 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and no darkness is in him. None. It's fascinating at the very beginning when there was, you know, God was creating the heavens and the earth, there was light, separating light and darkness. And when God comes in, there's, there, he dispels darkness. Well, that's point number one. God is light, but then it also says that God's word is light. David knew about God being light and giving him direction, but he also says in Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. So when you need direction or guidance or answers, where do you go for truth, for direction? You go to God's word. You study what God has to say. People say God, God's word does not contain God's word. It is God's word. Every word that you're reading is from God to us. It's truth that we can live our lives by. But wait, there's more. The third point is that God's son is light. Jesus actually is the manifestation of God himself coming in person form. He's the living word of God, an expression of the Father for us to see. He said that he was the light of the world. It's, just, it's a con con continuation of the Father being light, the Word being light. Well, naturally, the Son is also going to be light in the darkness. People challenged the assertion that Darkness can't overcome light when Jesus was on earth. They have the thought that they could maybe, let's just try and extinguish this light. They arrested Jesus, they crucified him, and they thought, we're done. They put him in a dark tomb, put a, a stone in front of it, and they, they wiped their hands, patted each other on the back, and said, well done, boys, we've done our job. Until three days later, Jesus messed everything up by being resurrected from the dead. It must have been pretty frustrating to the darkness. Now, I was just thinking about darkness. Like, I don't think it's very bright. And I mean that <clears throat> many ways. <laughs> darkness thought it could challenge the light and snuff out the light. Uh, I think, you know, had they just left Jesus alone, had they just ignored him, he would have probably been kind of continuing around the fringes of society, doing lots of good things, but it wouldn't have come to anything if they just left him alone. But that's not what darkness does. See, the, the, the identity of darkness is to steal and kill and destroy and to, to dismantle everything that God has. It couldn't stand the fact that Jesus was there, couldn't just ignore him and leave him alone and let him do all of his good deeds and healing people and making food and walking on water. Had to get rid of this guy. So they crucified him. I, I kind of, and then, and then they, they reject him altogether. Once he's proven, he comes back, he's seen in front of 4,000 people. He, he's, he's still, they won't believe him. They reject him. And it's, it's like a big cosmic chess game with a predetermined outcome. God makes his move, and darkness is like, oh, God, like, I there, there you go. And God makes his move. And darkness, has, he's just constantly reacting, thinking that they have the upper hand, but all of a sudden, checkmate. It's done. It's over. What happened? We're waiting for that checkmate to come with the second coming of Christ. It's going to all be done, and the darkness will be standing there wondering, what happened? Not very bright. He, he, darkness keeps falling into God's trap, in a sense, just going along with God's plan all along. 
Last week, oh, so First uh, John one nine. Oh, sorry, First John four nine. This in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. In other words, God's love was made in human form, and God sent His only Son in the world so that we might live through Him. And John sixteen thirty three says, "I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but take heart; I have overcome the world." When the Jews rejected Jesus as the light and chose darkness instead of light, there was a, a door opened for all of us to have opportunity for salvation. Had the Jews accepted Jesus and been happy, there wouldn't have been a reason for God to go beyond to us Gentiles offering salvation. It's like every time they made a move, God's plans came about. They can't outguess God. They can't out. Uh, smart God in any particular way. There's a reason that hell is described in the Gospel of Matthew as outer darkness, because the presence of God is limited there. People who choose darkness over light here on earth will continue in that existence for eternity without recourse. So Jesus passes on the responsibility of being light to us, to the believers. That's my point number four, is that God's people our light. The Apostle John understood this. He took up the assignment that we are to share this light because Jesus, he looks at his disciples and the people around him and says, you are now the light of the world. He says, I'm going to my Father. I'm going to send you the Spirit who will help guide you and teach you, but now the responsibility is over to you. So John, 1 John 1, 1, it says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we beheld, and what our hands have touched as regards the word of life. The life was revealed, and we've seen, and we bear witness, and we announce to you the everlasting life which was with the Father and was revealed to us. We announce to you what we have seen and what we have heard, that you also might have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write these things to you that your joy may be full. And this is the message which we have heard from him, and we proclaim to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him. And in John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let there be light. We see it when we wake up in the morning. We, we look for it when we walk into buildings. And we don't often remember that the light of God is all around us. It's always at work. It's always shining, drawing people to himself, trying to transform their hearts out of darkness into his kingdom of light. So last week, Pastor Neil talked about the darkness as being temptations and sin and falling away from, from Christ. And there's another aspect of darkness I want to just mention today. Sometimes darkness is not so much sin or bondage to addictions, but it can be Anger, anger over the state of our country, or lack of faith. Maybe you don't feel like God is going to come through for you this time. There might be depression over life circumstances or fears for the future. These things can also lead us to dark places where the light of Christ wants to shine and to lift us up and put our feet back on solid ground. God says that when we seek him with all of our heart, he will be found. And he will do according to, uh, for us 
what his plans are. He will rescue us from our emotional and spiritual stuckness. I created a word because it seems to fit. Have you ever been in stuckness? You're just, you're just existing. You're not really enjoying. You don't really have the joy God promised or the peace. It's just kind of stuck, needing to move on, needing to get pushed a little bit more. We all need that light in our life. We need a little bit more light to help us see the way, to get out of our stuckness and on into the salvation of life and, and enjoying our salvation that God wants for each one of us. He came to set us free. When Jesus came and said, I'm the light of the world, he wasn't just making a, and some kind of an ethereal statement that you had to try to figure out, some kind of metaphor. He was also telling you what his purpose is going to be, what his identity was, what his values are, why he was here, in the, what his job is in these, uh, these three and a half years of ministry. He came to confront the corruption of the religious political leaders. He came to reveal their deeds of darkness. He came to set us free. To, to lead us in the path of righteousness, to bring hope and healing and truth. You know, when I look at the Apostle Paul before he became Paul and he was still Saul of Tarsus, when he was on the road to Damascus, living in darkness, his soul was dark. I think of the Grinch. Uh, and Jesus encounters him. What is it that shone all around him? See, Jesus was commuting from heaven to earth to chat with Saul. And the light of his presence blinded Saul's eyes. I think that Jesus probably limited his glory or else he would have killed Saul on the spot by just revealing who he was. See, he'd gone back to the Father and then the Father of lights, the Son, I am the light of the world. And when he came to Saul himself, normally, I mean naturally, he was blinded because he couldn't handle the glory of Jesus and it transformed him for the rest of his life. He moved from darkness into the kingdom of light. Years and years ago, when I was working at a church in Winnipeg, um, the church was on the, out, just outside the perimeter highway on the way to Headingley, Manitoba. And some of the girls were up at the church practicing for worship the next, uh, the next day. It was a Saturday night. And I got a call, and just as they were about to leave, uh, something happened. They, they, they called me and said, Pastor Tom, someone's trying to break in the church. I can hear them messing around at the, with the side door. I said, well, where are you? What are you doing? He says, well, we're hiding in the office, and all the lights are off. I said, okay, so go out of the office, turn all the lights on, turn the sound system on, and make as much noise as you can. And they said, why? I said, because that will scare them away. And oh, so they went out, turned all the lights on, and, and made as much noise. And the guys just took off. We saw the car going off in the distance. They don't want their deeds to be exposed. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to come into the light. They want to stay in the darkness, break in. Uh, we did have several break-ins because we were not well protected out there on the highway. People living in darkness don't want their deeds to be seen. They want to get away with stuff. I look at this passage where it says, you are the light of the world, and I see the mandate for us to bring light and truth into darkness. People are still struggling in their darkness. I don't know how many phone calls you get in a week. Uh, you just won, da-da-da-da-da. If you send me $500, it will clear, you know, like, okay, whatever. I've been texted, you know, on Facebook while by someone that uh, was trying to give me money, and, uh, and I, 
I recognized the name. And so I, I called the person. Are you talking to me on Facebook right now? I said, no. I said, okay, you've been hacked. Uh, shut it down. And then I went back onto the, 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 uh, the Facebook texting thing, and I said, I know what you're doing. I'm embarrassed for you. I hope that God will show you the right path to live your life. I'll be praying for you. And they texted back, thanks, I need it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we look at people and it looks like they've got it all together. They've got everything that everyone wants to have. And uh, they they look like there's no worries at all. And the scriptures tell us in 1 Timothy 6, 9, "But, but they who will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which plunge men into destruction and perdition. I'm not quite sure what perdition is, but it sounds ominous. I like the word. Destruction and perdition, even though we see on the outside everything looks amazing, and I wish I had that lifestyle, it's full of temptations that can lead down the wrong road. Everyone has a struggle. We have our Achilles heel, those things that we are drawn to that could derail our walk with God. 1 Corinthians gives us an answer. In chapter 10, it says that there isn't any temptation that has taken you but what is common to man. And God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able. But with the temptation, he'll also make a way out. There's always an escape. There's always a door to walk through to get out of the destructive path of temptation. Remember, darkness wants to steal, kill, and destroy and derail our relationship with God. When you walk down those pathways... It's a predictable ending. The reason I bring this up is because it it gives us a clue on how to share the light with people. Everyone's got the same temptations. Everyone struggles with the same things. Maybe you look a little different or have different interests or or different um, talents, but at our core, at our soul, at the level of what really matters, we are all pretty much the same. So how do you share light with anyone and everyone? Well, you look at the common needs. We all need a savior. We all need to connect with the holy holy other, our creator, our almighty God. We all desperately want to be loved. And God provides these things. And we all face a future needing hope, hope to go the next place, the next step, the next month, the next year. Where are we going? What's the purpose? What's the meaning in life? So we are light when we stand up for truth. We are light when we don't judge others or condemn them, but instead try to love them. We are light when, when we share the gospel to those living in darkness. Look past the fancy car, or look past the fancy clothes or the size of the property. Don't look at the title or power or social influence. Look at their soul, the one thing that really matters. Somebody has to tell the truth. Somebody has to share the light with each person we come in contact with. When we care for the sick, we are light. When we feed the hungry, we are light. When we give a warm glove and a winter coat to those that are out in the cold, as we've done in the past week with homeless people, our our family, Fam Jam group went out and took uh, food and hot chocolate and warm clothing just to say, We want to bless you. When we take a single mom in or orphans or into our home or let them become family, we are light. It's not hard to be light. There's so many things that we could do to share the light of God's love. 
Well, Friday night, I was walking uh, in from the, the, the um, parking lot into the church for an event. We were having a, a gathering with some uh, food and uh, fellowship, some prayer time. And of course, I, just outside this wall, in the stairwell, were uh, a couple of people, and they were under a big plastic sheet. They'd taken some of the cardboard out of our bin and put it down on the cement so they didn't have to uh, be too cold. And um, of course, you know, I just, I just ignored them, you know, as I walk in, as one does. And I sat in my office, and I, and I looked in my drawer, and I have some granola bars. And, oh, yeah. and I've got a little, like, uh, peel open and crackers and tuna thing. And then I, I thought, oh, we've got some hot chocolate in the, in the staff room and some coffee. And so I gathered up all my little goodies and my foods, and I put it in a Ziploc bag, and I took it out to them. I said, hey, you guys doing okay? And they said, oh, yeah, no, no, we're good, thanks. And I said, well, i got some food here if you're interested. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I just kept thinking, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph <laughs> looking for a place to sleep. No mom, no auntie to help with the impending birth. No family, no medical. Just Mary and Joseph alone trying to find a place to sleep. I said, you guys want, like, can I get you anything else? You want some coffee or some hot chocolate? And then from under the plastic, the woman's voice says, hot chocolate would be really nice. So I ran in, and I got them a couple of cups, and I said, uh, what, do you need anything else? Said, no, 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 we, we've got to be going anyway. We'll clean up all this stuff. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. So, you know, I, seriously, if you, what do you need? Anything else? No, 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 we're good. We've got to be going. And... I know Pastor Neil is often talking with people around our property that come looking for anything, going through our garbage bins, and it's just, it's not hard to be light, not hard to do something nice for someone. What's your name? The homeless people, most of them are just nameless, faceless people that we want to ignore, and just say, what's your name? Someone knowing their name can make all the difference. Every person needs a little light, something to brighten their day, something to give them hope. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of, who knows, Father of lights. <laughs> it keeps coming back to this idea of light, dispelling darkness, bringing hope, giving a direction, giving a future, bringing love where there's darkness and cold and dampness and nothingness. When we come to the church, we see the beautiful decorations, we hear the wonderful music, and applaud the amazing sermons that happen here. Uh, <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I command. What did he command? To clothe the naked, to feed the hungry, to visit those in prison, to care for the widow and the orphan, to be family to the lonely, to give a drink to the thirsty, to bring the foreigner into your home. We represent the Father of lights. And Jesus, who is the light of the world, is inside of us, giving us the assignment to share that light with others who need help, need someone to care, to bring truth into their life. Every kind deed we do is showing light to others. Now, I would pay good money to see the faces of the four families that the social worker is going to be delivering all of these gifts that you good people have given to. I would like to see them as they... Say, hey, would you come out to the car? I can't carry all this myself. What are you talking about? Well, the church there on 203 and, and Dudney has uh, decided to bless you this, this year. And Seriously? Yeah. I'm going to bring your kids too because we're going to need a lot of help. 
She's, she, she saw the, the load of presents in our uh, staff room there, boardroom, and she goes, what? <laughs> Where did all this come from? I said, the good folks at Maple Ridge Alliance wanted to be a blessing to these families. It makes their Christmas a little brighter. So now for the bad news. Sometimes being light is going to cause a lot of trouble. It caused Jesus a lot of trouble. He was a marked man. They did everything they could to eradicate that light, to snuff out the light. Our responsibility is only to share the light. We are not responsible for people's response to the light. Jesus said a lot of people refuse the light. They run from the light. They even persecute the light. The Apostle Paul, before he was transformed by the light, he said, I persecuted this the way uh, Jesus' followers as far as death, binding and delivering both men and women to prisons. That Paul's job was to persecute those that followed the light until he became a Christian. Jesus, the light of the world, he said, blessed are they who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for your reward is in heaven. For they who persecuted the prophets who were before you, they persecute you too. They don't like the light. We're constantly fighting this, this chess match of, you know, check, check, checkmate. And it's like it's back and forth. We're trying to do our best. And we always get stopped sometimes and pushed back and refused. But being light in the darkness is both easy and not easy. It can be challenging when you're speaking to the arrogance of power or to the self-sufficiency of wealth or pride. But someone has to tell them. Someone has to take the good news and share light in the midst of darkness and set people free from the bondage they're in, their self-sufficiency, their arrogance and pride, and share God's love. Everyone needs some light in their life. So when Jesus said, we are the light of the world, if you don't share God's word, his truth, his light with them, how are they going to hear? Who's going to tell them? Who else in your office knows about the light? Who else at your workplace can share the light of God's presence? Romans 10, 13 says, All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, how can people have faith in the Lord and ask him to save them if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can anyone tell them without being sent by the Lord? The scriptures say it's a beautiful sight to even see the feet of someone coming to preach the good news. It's nice to see the light, and the decorations are amazing. It reminds us of the light of the world, but then to become light is the challenge. Where God has put you in a dark place, maybe you will be the only light that can bring truth. A quick prayer for someone or an invitation to come to what we're offering here at the church or anything to be, make a difference. Let me take care of that need in your life. I'd like us to read something together. It'll be on the screen it's just a few things that we can do to keep the proper perspective this Christmas. This Christmas, let's just read this together. This Christmas, end the quarrel. Seek out a forgotten friend. Dismiss suspicion. Replace it with trust. Write a love letter. Cherish some treasure. Give a soft answer. Keep a promise. Find the time. Forgo a grudge. Forgive an enemy. Listen. Apologize. Try to understand. Examine your demands on others. Think first of someone else. Be kind. Be gentle. Appreciate. 
Laugh a little, laugh a little more, express your gratitude. Glad in the heart of a child, welcome a stranger in the beauty and the wonder of earth. Speak your love, speak it again, speak it once again. It's easy to be light. It's not hard to take the good news to someone who needs to hear it. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. That's why we're here. We want to honor you with our time and our talents, our treasure. We want to bring the good news to those who have not yet heard it, to make a difference in somebody's life, to say their name, to give a cup of water, to give up a jacket that we haven't worn in five years, to bring warm gloves and a scarf, maybe a toque, to someone who's shivering, to step into someone else's world and say, God loves you, and so do I. Father God, this is our prayer today that you would guide us to be light. Help us to see the many ways around us all the time that we can make a difference. Instead of walking on by and minding our own business, let us stop minding our own business and get involved in the lives of those around us. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The first week of, the second week of January, uh, I'm going to be leading us through a week of prayer. We have a, a guidebook that will help you focus on, on, on a particular kind of prayer each day. So every day you'll read a devotional, read some scripture, and at the bottom of the page will be an opportunity for you to write down what is God saying to you. We're going to have an evening of prayer every night of the week here at the building so that you can gather together with God's people and pray together for what God wants this church to do to make a difference in our community. And then at the end of the week, we'll start this on Monday, uh, and we're going to go through to the next Sunday. That Sunday, we're going to all gather together, and we're going to worship together, we're going to pray together, and we're going to discern together. I have a couple of microphones here. What's God been telling you this week? What's God been showing you this week? What's God been putting on your heart this week? And together as a church, we'll begin to formulate the plans that can lead us into the future to make a difference in our neighborhoods. The other thing is I'm adding the component of fasting, so prayer and fasting. Um, If you want to really be focused on what God is saying, you will forego the food and use that time to pray. Now, some people just skip lunch every day and use that time to pray, or some will take actually seven days of fasting. There'll be instructions on what that looks like and how to do it properly. Um, Not everybody can do that physically or medically, but if you can, think about this spiritual discipline. Prayer and fasting together can be powerful in a person's life. We'll be talking more about it, giving more explanations, so be thinking about that time and plan, if you can, to clear your schedule for that week. It'll be the week of January 10 to 16, uh, every night here for time of prayer together and worship and seeking the Lord. And I believe if we seek the Lord with all of our heart, he will be found, and he will lead and guide us and show us the way forward.